it's almost like there's a show that spent a tremendous amount of time and effort over a period of years to warn you about this and then no one listened. Eh, well, I mean, if there was, you should probably give them a five-star review. I'm probably. Throwing it out there. All right, welcome in, everybody. It's the Important Nonsense Podcast, also known as the Sammy Watkins Spin Zone. I am your host, Steve Bonham. Joining me, as always, Mr. Neil Smith. Neil, are you having a very Sammy Watkins day today? I am having a very Sammy Watkins day. Are you having a very Sammy Watkins day? I live a very Sammy Watkins life. I don't know about you, but... Uh, oh, I'm truth, pretty high on Sammy Watkins. The truth Watkins, has been revealed, so... Oh, you saw my daily card from over the weekend. The I won that, will by the way. set you free. I'm I sure won that. Oh, yeah. I dominated that daily lineup with some Sammy Watkins. <laughs> Best call all year so far. <laughs> I mean, and I'm, I'm nowhere not near saying that we were the only ones telling you to play Sammy Watkins, but we were the only ones telling you to play I'm also Sammy that. I'm also not saying that we were the only ones. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also not not, yeah. Uh, what a weekend. What a kickoff. It's always an interesting first week of the season. There's always booms and busts. People like John Ross come out of nowhere to learn how to play football. Three Amazing years. things happen years. in week one. Only took three years. Unbelievable. So we'll get more into that later. Uh, I want to kick off the show a little bit here talking about ad drop. Look, week one overreactions, we talk about it every year. Don't go crazy, people. I mean... There are certain things when you go into the draft that you kind of have an idea, speculation on that you're looking at, that these are the things that you're projecting, these are the things you expect to happen throughout the season, and I don't understand why you're so willing to give up on some of your early round picks because of what happened in one week? Because of what happened in one game. Uh, John Brown, I'm sorry, John Ross was the biggest ad by far of the entire season for faux show uh he was added in 53 percent of leagues meanwhile you had dante pettis and darwin thompson who were cut in nearly 20 percent of leagues and those people are going to be uh, paying for that come later the season well i don't understand because dante pettis on adp was like pick he was a sleeper for a lot of people and that's what we keep saying every year seems like week one do not cut bait on a lot of your sleepers, you know, because they had one week that didn't go your way. I took, I have Anthony Miller in a 16 team league where we play four flexes. It's the important nonsense staff league, actually. And that, I took a zero from Anthony Miller, and the Bears looked atrocious. Now, I am benching Anthony Miller for a while, but I didn't go out and cut Anthony Miller. Like, and, I, and I'm seeing all kinds of crazy things. Vance McDonald's getting dropped. I mean, for what you had to pay to get Vance McDonald, I don't see how many leagues you can just cut bait with that you know right away it's it's uh it's a bit maddening here uh to say the least absolutely i I mean again it's way too early in the season to start reacting to start making these drastic moves that are going to affect you for literally the rest of the season so that being being uh, said that being said if people are going to be out there acting like a clown car and you're listening to us and you're hearing our voice pop on by the old waiver wire because oh, yeah. uh, it's been it's advantage. been it's been enlightening. Their loss is your gain. Yeah. It's been enlightening to say the least. And also, by the way, uh, John Ross being the number one wide receiver waiver ad is wrong. Should have been Hollywood Brown. Read the waiver column, people. Read the waiver column. Hollywood. Hollywood Brown, baby. Hollywood, lighten it up. What's really hood? Hollywood. <laughs> Love it. What a Loved week everything about it. For Loved that everything guy. About it. 
Loved everything about it. It was amazing. Lamar Jackson was unstoppable. And a lot of that is that the Dolphins are just hot garbage. Like, aggressively hot garbage. But still. They'd be the best team in the CFL. But that's about it. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. The Yellow got some, pretty good. Yeah, 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 the Yellow got some talent. Yeah, well, we have to see on that. They could, they still got to. They have to make a decision on quarterback at some point. <laughs> oh, they look terrible. But let's go through uh, some news because it was a big news week. The football preview. Halfback passes to center. Back to wing. Back to center. Center holds it. Holds it. Holds it. No, not that football. Oh, the Denver Broncos. Yeah, that's the one. You just don't understand football news. Good news, everyone. Read all about it. And stats. You need to win. You play to win the game. On the Important Nonsense Podcast. Ah, it's back. I miss Homer Simpson in the offseason so much when I don't have that weekly in my life. Uh, Oh, I miss that. It's the ending. It's... Hey! Anyway, let's dive in here. Yeah, yeah. So uh, QB tight end news. First and foremost, Nick Foles to the IR, broken clavicle. Gardner Minshew is now stepping in as the new starter. They also acquired Josh Dobbs from the Steelers. So Minshew came in, looked really good. Do you, you know, move anybody up, down? How do you assess the Jaguars now with Nick Foles the rest of the Well, well, I, well what I was going to say is, can we talk about this? Gardner Minshew just rides into town and looks better than Nick Foles, who actually didn't look bad before he got hurt. He looked better than I thought he would. Uh, but Gardner Minshew comes in and completes 13 consecutive passes and actually starts moving the ball. So that was fascinating to watch. I... I I saw him play in the preseason and he looked totally different. It, I, I don't, I mean, it, wow, like eye popping. So to be honest with you, I don't really move anybody, but that's a good thing because it means we don't have to move anybody down. I think it's pretty right. lateral. We don't have to actually drop anybody. So if you have Jags, I don't really consider it too much of a downgrade from what I saw a limited sample, albeit against not a particularly good defense, but I'm not tanking any of my Jags. How about you? I'm good with it. I'm just going to let it ride. Yeah, I'm good where they are right now. I was already super nervous about D.D. Westbrook. You know that. Yeah. But I I still feel like that's going to work out all right with Minshew in there. Uh, And Dobbs, we've seen when he's given an opportunity in Pittsburgh, has been all right as well. So I feel like either way, we're not really missing a beat there in Jacksonville. Yeah, Dobbs is a smart guy. He actually has like an aeronautical degree from Tennessee. So he went to real classes. Um, the, uh, the, the, the one thing I would say is, what do you, what do you think about, uh, about DJ Chark? Do, 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 do. Yes. Um, the DJ, I still prefer DD Westbrook. This is one of those don't overreact to week one things for me. A lot of this is, um, the, the Hollywood Brown thing in Baltimore, we didn't know who was going to emerge as their Somebody was going to take it. Somebody was going to take it. Right, they had, and they had that turned out to be Hollywood Brown. So Which they did a great for, job of disguising that in the preseason because they didn't do. And, and any then of the that. same thing we talked about. We talked about Preston Williams. You know, yep. how he had a chance to be the legitimate number one there in Miami. Granted, Albert Wilson didn't play. Sure, but still, in garbage time when they're playing from behind, a la the Jags from a couple years back, 
nothing but fourth quarter points, right? I mean, yeah, it's Preston just, Williams, that was an impressive toe tap. That was what I was going to say. He, he did himself as the guy you want in Miami in my he, eyes. He did himself a huge favor by having a couple nice catches, but the best one was the toe tap in the back of the end zone. And coaches love that. As a, It's an NFL truism, but it's a truism for a reason. Coaches love that type of thing. So he's he's did a, himself a huge service in terms of getting much more meaningful playing time. So Preston Williams is a guy that if he's on your waiver wire, yeah, I'm interested in that. Because as we've been saying since the preseason, by the end of the year, he could be the number one guy racking up all those garbage time points for you. Uh, in the I'm goal. not 100% convinced he's not already the number one guy. No, he might be is what I'm saying. But it's like by the end of the year, he probably will be at this point. At the, the, the rate he's trajecting because yeah. Albert Wilson is already hurt and Jakeem Grant's already hurt. And they don't really have anybody else that isn't those two guys anymore now that Kenny Stills is with your boys in Houston. So, But like, again, like what I was with? saying too, because I, I was the one that sidetracked us there, but D.D. Uh, Westbrook is still my number one Jags receiver. I still think Marquise Lee isn't dead, former Bolitnikoff winner. Not Marquise dead yet. Lee, even though he only had the zero catches for zero <sighs> yards. Uh, I still feel like he was recovering from the injury. I feel like given the opportunity, he'll be the number two. But, you know, DJ Chark was impressive. Chris Conley looked good. All around the Jags offense, better than expected. I just don't I don't think there's an, any need to change the way I've been looking at it to this point. And we'll see how the young season continues to progress. That's really all we can do at this point. And like I said, it's a total lateral move for me. So if you got Jags, don't worry about it. You don't need to cut them. You're going to get roughly the same point total you were going to get anyway, even with even with Minshew. But I will point out, they're not playing the Chiefs defense every week. So <laughs> just that's fair, that's fair. The, my only note. Uh, Greg Olson lands on the injury report this week. He may not be able to make it for Thursday night's game with the quick turnaround. Something we'll be able to talk about on the Friday show. Again, be able to uh, to check out that Friday show. Going to be good again. The, yeah, uh, looking the forward to the sit, trust or bust. So we're looking forward to that. Also, uh, you know, shout out to our guy Jason Draven at that FF Nerd on basically every platform. Uh, I forgot to mention at the top of the show, you can find me at nonsense underscore Steve, Neil at nonsense underscore Neil on basically everything, and then of course you can find uh, the show. If you're a fan, because we're getting a lot of positive feedback, so shout Woo! out to Nonsense Nation. Love all you guys. Go leave iTunes. Find us. Shout down that yeah, guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere basically you listen to your podcasts. That's where you can find us. Make sure you leave us a five-star review. Get us up those charts. But uh, Greg Olson, injury report. Does it matter to you if he doesn't play? Ian Thomas, are you streaming or are you not, not even caring? Don't care. Literally had Greg Olson at like the back end fringes of tight end streamer anyway. So I guess Ian Thomas isn't that much of a drop off. We had talked about this in the preseason. We've seen him have success last year when he had to play. He can catch. It's fine. But I mean, if you had to start the Panthers tight end, I mean, it's okay. But I'm not. It doesn't really. He's not. It's not like you're you're losing a starter. We're not massively adjusting rankings here, people. Correct, Amundo. Hunter Henry. Big news today. Uh, has a right knee fracture, basically. Uh, he will be out at least four to six weeks. That's according to Adam Schefter. The speculation is he could actually have surgery that would potentially end his season. We will talk about that later on in the show. For the meantime, who are you picking up off of waivers in order to replace Hunter Henry on your roster? Well, okay, so this is like a 
seriously, go look and see if Vance McDonald got cut because he got cut in a tremendous amount of leagues after one bad week. So if that happens to be available, feel free to do that. Uh, that, but that's not super likely. Of the things that are more available and usually under our fifty percent uh, threshold for this, uh, Jordan Reed is available in a tremendous amount of leagues. And if he doesn't play, Vernon Davis is available in a tremendous amount of leagues. They have a very friendly kind of tight end matchup coming up this week. So I'd be interested in that as a uh, as a fill-in. Uh, below that, you could obviously see if Darren Waller is still available for you. That would be uh, a good name. Uh, he got picked up in a tremendous amount of leagues after his Monday night game. Uh, but they're Raiders, as we saw last year, they're going to feature the tight end. That's part of that offense. That's just how they're going to run. So anybody who's playing tight end for them who can actually play is going to have value. So look, at, for, look out for Waller. And then uh, there's one other name. Oh, that's right. It's Jimmy Graham. It took me a while to get there because he's usually dead to us. But Jimmy Graham is alive and he's still catching footballs. And he was the only winner in that Thursday night game amongst the amongst the myriad of losers that emerged from that game. And uh, as much as it like, makes me want to throw up in my mouth a little bit, if I was desperate and all the other names that I've mentioned aren't available, I would take a look at Jimmy Graham for a dollar or as a low priority uh, waiver claim uh, for a one week type of deal. And maybe just maybe he's back and on to something. I hesitate. Sure. To I feel like you're missing the most obvious one. TJ Hawkinson Stumpy is, is out there in a say, lot of leagues. Stumpy. Stumpy's a good name that I didn't yeah, think TJ of. TJ Hawkinson was one of the biggest pickups of, uh, of the week. He's still available in about 40% of leagues. That's what I was so going to say. Do that. He's not totally Same thing with Mark Andrews. I yep, mean, Mark Andrews, not totally owned. So those are also totally guys. Owned, yep. But but Stumpy, a guy I've got number 16 this week. By the way, Jimmy uh, Graham, under saw... all the names Steve has mentioned, all of them, Jason Witten, Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson, like Jimmy Graham below all of it for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Stumpy is my number 16 guy this week. So just outside of starting range. But if you're desperate, certainly somebody you can go grab off of waivers and uh, be able to play and not – you know, not feel terrible about it. Uh, as you mentioned, Vance McDonald got cut in 7% of leagues. It's entirely possible that maybe you're lucky and you're in one of those leagues. Uh, Darren Waller was a huge pickup, but he's still just over 50% owned. And that offense loves to feature the tight end. So that'll happen. And then if he's back and healthy, Trey Burton also right around the 50% owned range. So that is a possibility too for the Bears. Yeah, tight ends actually got a little bit more meat on the meat on the bone than normal. Meanwhile, running back, we've got Darius Geis likely to miss some time after knee injury sustained in week one. Uh, same old, same old, right? It's not the one where he had the ACL injury last season. It's the other knee, which is always great news. Uh, so he will likely miss some time. Uh, Chris Thompson obviously leaps up ranks. Uh, he will get a more prominent role. Uh, in PPR, which is what we certainly care about, but even in standard, I think Chris Thompson is more into the fringe flex range. Adrian Peterson is tentatively named the Week 2 starter as long as Geis is not playing. That said, they hate Adrian Peterson so much that he was completely inactive this week, so I'm not going to bet the farm that Adrian Peterson is going to have a significant role even if Geis doesn't play. <laughs> Remember that time last year when Adrian Peterson... <laughs> <laughs> and they said would have a significant role, and it did. I remember the time before that in Arizona when they signed him to literally hand him the ball 35 times. Like, I if if Adrian Peterson is suiting up in place of Geis, and you're telling me that it's just Geis and Chris Thompson, 
I'm much more bullish on AP than you appear than than what you appear to be at. So I would basically just take Darius guys out of my rankings and move Adrian Peterson to about five spots on running back lower than where I would have had guys just because I think he's at this age, not the player guys is, but uh, I, I, I think if he's healthy enough to play and, and they're going to tell him like, we're going to give you the rock that yeah, Chris Thompson will pick up some more slack, but I really believe that like, they're going to, they're going to give the ball to Adrian Peterson. So I'm right a little now, bit more I have Darius Geis at 34. Uh, if he was to officially be ruled out, I have AP at 51 if Geis is not going to play, I would move uh, Peterson up closer to the 40-ish range. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He'd be in like the 40 uh, Yeah, I'd, I'd feel all right. But even then, play. I mean, that's outside of flex. So I'm still not playing Adrian Peterson this week. And Chris Thompson I have currently at 32, and that's with Geis playing. I have him slightly ahead of Darius Geis right now, assuming Geis plays. If Geis is out... I mean, Chris Thompson's probably a back end RB two for me. It's probably fair because I've got our, I've got him at like thirty four on running back. Yeah. So yeah, that's probably fair. He'd probably move up about three or four spots, so he'd be like the back end of it. Uh, Peyton Barber's been named the week two starter in Tampa Bay, despite Ronald Jones balling outrageous on Sunday. So are we still buying into uh, the Ronald Jones? Have we been fooled here again, or you know, is Peyton Barber being the starter any indication of of where we're we're leaning here in Tampa Bay. Yeah, we keep we keep saying this. It's hard. You don't want to overreact to week one. So I'm not I'm not uh, like just running out to cut Peyton Barber. Obviously, they're going to give him another opportunity. I think the Buccaneers even are like, all right, Ronald, good game. Let's see you do it again. And that's kind of where I land on the whole situation. So what I, where I landed at more or less is Ronald Jones is absolutely a pickup. If you were desperate at running back, and I mean desperate at running back, uh, maybe if you had to like flex or RB two, I guess you could roll the dice on him getting another like 13 or 10 or whatever it exactly was. But uh, I think he's a pickup and he's a nice little stash and we'll see if he can, you know, be the guy that they drafted him to be because the talents, you know, the talents there, if he could consistently get it out of him. So that's kind of my view after the one, the one good game, like nice, awesome, maybe pick him up. Yep. That's, that's about yeah, it. Ronald Jones has moved ahead of uh, Peyton Barber in my rankings, but I mean, I put him at 43 and Barber at 47. So it's not like I'm starting either one of them. I no, still yeah, you're hate prob- what that offense does. So. Yeah, you're probably not. If you're relying on playing either of those guys, you well, you probably want zero RB like, and committed. Uh, Tevin Coleman is dealing with a high ankle sprain. Stop me if you've heard that before. He'll miss multiple weeks, so that leaves Matt Breida and then Mostert was the one that kind of came out of nowhere. So Raheem Mostert, is he someone that you're buying into? I mean, I've picked him up now in uh, a couple of leagues. So you can just see Ronald or Jones, comma Ronald. So with Tevin Coleman going down, Brita becomes the guy. But we all have seen this before. Uh, Brita is kind of the tendency to get kind of nicked up. And he, he loves to get nicked up, come out of the game, and then come back in the game. And then have a balling period and then maybe he goes back out of the game it's kind of that's how that works so Mostert's gonna play and he actually looked decent so I would say he's a pickup we've known they're gonna use two guys so he's gonna get the work it looks like but as far as starting him I'm not starting him whereas I would breed is on the fringes of starting flexi neighborhoods for me uh yeah uh, our consensus ranks this week are all over the place on raheem Mostert, and he's as low as 84 for you uh basically off the map and as high as me 
39. I mean, in the second half, when Tevin Coleman wasn't playing, they were just force-feeding him the ball. Now, the stat line may not exactly show that, but it's because during the first basically two and a half quarters of the game, he wasn't playing. But with Kevin, Tevin Coleman out, like you just mentioned, Brita can't be relied on to stay healthy either. He can't take the full workload, and they were getting Mostert involved from start to finish. So I feel like they're just going to force feed him the ball this weekend. It's a good matchup with Cincinnati. It, it, he has a lot of potential to be someone that can actually surprise people uh, this weekend. I've got him at the back end of near flex range. But again, I'd, I'd still put him ahead of Adrian Peterson. Uh, that, I mean, that's how much I believe in Mostert at this point. All right. Well, yeah, you're clearly sold. And here's what I'll tell you. If he goes out to the way I've kind of evaluated this is if he goes out to Cincinnati and balls and they give him like the rock like they did again for the whole game or not, you know, not, you know what I mean, but he's involved at the relative ratio he was for two halves as opposed to one. He'll fly up my rankings, which is why I was saying he's kind of a pickup for me, like on the waiver column. Yeah, you want to pick him up, see what it is, but I'm not just going to automatically start him on my roster you probably have better options for me yeah i don't i'm again 39 so i'm not saying start him by any stretch of the imagination but i am saying he's a guy worth rostering because given tevin coleman's history and matt Breida's history there's a legitimate chance he's the guy in san francisco at some point that's fair because well and that's that's actually probably more than fair because at this point you'd be going like all the way down the death chart to like their fourth or fifth guy that's how bad that's gotten with McKinnon going to the IR before they even started. So yeah, yeah exactly. That, that's that's probably fair at this point. Well, uh, we will revisit this topic next week, I'm quite sure. <laughs> uh, Joe Mixon sustained an ankle injury of his own. It cut his week one game short. However, the MRI does say there's no serious damage, and he has the potential to play in that game against San Francisco this weekend. We've talked about Gio Bernard all preseason. When Mixon is out, Gio is a top 20 play. The question is... If Mixon decides to give it a go, are you fully committed to Joe Mixon or are you going to roll the dice and play Gio Bernard? Because he did have a role last week, even when Mixon was on the field. Yeah, no, and it's that's a this is a tough one. This is one of those situations that you kind of hate to have to make. Um, as of right now, my rankings reflect that I would that I would be playing Joe Mixon. Now I have downgraded my expectations for Joe Mixon, but I would be playing and starting Joe Mixon. That's, and I, I'm, I'm still, I, I'm, I'm literally with this one, like every injury update that comes across, I'm like, Oh God, what is it? Please tell me. That he's playing. So that's, but so I've downgraded his expectations. I should say significantly still a little bit above Gio though. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Uh, when he's out there, Joe Mixon, I feel like is a special back. Like I've got him ranked 18th. That's right where he comes That's in for funny. our consensus. I've got him at 18 too, and normally in a game like yeah. this, I wouldn't have him at 18 because he's playing San yeah, it's, Francisco's it's right defense. right where he like, lands in our yeah. consensus. And uh, Gio, I've got ranked 33. We're also the same there. So, yeah, yeah, uh, that's, that's how I feel about again, it. Again, right as there. I mentioned, I've got G- Joe Mixon at 18. If we find out that uh, Mixon is out and Gio is going to get the workload, he moves up to 18. He yep. literally just that's takes over doing. that spot. Yeah, that's all I'm doing. I'm just going to f- just remove Joe Mixon and move G- – that's literally how I was thinking about it yesterday. If I find out – because the matchup is so tasty. It's such a tasty matchup. It's it's uh, it's too tempting to just ignore it. Melvin Gordon holding out. Expected to last six to eight weeks, according to Ian Rappaport. 
I'll bring this up to mention what we talked about a few times last year. Remind everybody, if you weren't with us with the Le'Veon Bell saga, the slight difference here. The reason that everybody thought Le'Veon Bell was going to come back last season is because of how the contract is worded, basically. So the Le'Veon Bell situation was different because he was playing on a franchise tag that he refused to sign. For Melvin Gordon, he's under contract. He signed a four-year deal. This is the fourth year of that four-year deal. If he does not report to the team by week, I believe it's 10 is the cutoff. Am I correct in that? It is week 10. If he doesn't report to the team by week 10, it voids this year of eligibility. And if he comes back next season, he would still be under the fourth year of his four-year contract. So it would kind of defeat the whole purpose because he couldn't become a free agent. If he wants to go into free agency, like he's begging to do and make as much money as possible, he has to report to the team by week 10. So he will be back at some point this season, whether that means he gets traded somewhere or he reports back to the Chargers and comes back in week 10 to finish the second half of the season with them. Either way, he will have to report this season. Otherwise, he's still under contract on his rookie deal with the Chargers. It's as if someone, you know, retires like Andrew Luck. If Andrew Luck were to be reinstated in the league, his contract would just kick back in with the Colts. He wouldn't just become a free agent and get to go wherever he wants. It's He's still under contract for a certain amount of time. So that's the same situation here, which is why you can understand that Melvin Gordon will be back at some point this season. And the... The mixed signals with everything that happened last year with Le'Veon Bell is kind of, I think, throwing everybody off on this. A little bit. And it's just, they call it accruing a year of eligibility. Just so everybody, if you hear that parlance, that's right. what the NFL mm-hmm. is talking about. Uh, he has to accrue another year so he can actually become a free agent. And then the only other thing uh, with this Melvin Gordon situation is, uh, it's why he didn't get completely dropped from the rankings, folks, on Twitter who keep insisting on this Ezekiel Elliott, Melvin Gordon comparison of people's rankings. We've been trying to explain this. <laughs> Both of us felt good that Zeke would sign a contract eventually before the season started. And he did. So that's why the rankings didn't get changed. Melvin Gordon got dropped because he was going to go ahead and hold out. And everybody knew that after a certain point. But he doesn't get tanked out of the rankings entirely because of this situation. He has to show up at some point for somebody's team to accrue that final year he needs so he can go out onto the open market and get and get a uh, another year off of his, you know, towards his eligibility. He has to do that. So that's the reason. We've tried explaining this written. I hope me explaining it verbally has helped you. Meanwhile, Neil, the AB saga continues. Oh, I know you're so excited. I want off. Just what you wanted. Want off the roller coaster. <laughs> so he was cut on Saturday by Oakland. Became a free agent, signed with New England the same day because, of course, Patriot things. He then, on Tuesday, a a lawsuit was filed against him by his former personal trainer accusing him of sexual misconduct. Now, fantasy podcast, we're not going to go into all that, but basically, he could end up on the commissioner's exempt list. She'll be interviewed on Tuesday next week, which has kind of put his Sunday up in the air He is still practicing with the team, but they will not comment on the open investigation, and they said that they are fully uh, supporting the NFL with anything that they need regarding that. Uh, So we can talk a little bit more about that later, but basically the the saga of AB will continue, Neil, for at at least a little while longer. Oh, the foreseeable future. Foreshadowing, shadowing, shadowing. 
Uh, Tyreek Hill is out four to six weeks with a shoulder joint injury. There was a weird scenario where he, you know, went down on a play, got up immediately. He then was taken to the local hospital because they said there was some kind of internal injury happening. Basically, he'll be out four to six weeks is the current prognosis. Uh, They're not going to put him on IR for the time being. However, it's possible that it could last longer than that. We don't know the extent of the damage. They're calling it week to week that they don't want to put an actual time frame on it, but uh, expect to be without Tyreek Hill for at least the next four to six weeks. It's almost like somebody tried to warn you that he's, that he's you know, a tiny little wide receiver made of glass. Yeah. It's almost like there's a show that spent a tremendous amount of time and effort over a period of years to warn you about this, and then no one listened. Yeah, well. I mean, if there was, you should probably give him a five-star review. I'm probably. just saying. Throwing it out there. Uh, Devin Funches, it was the Sunday of broken collarbones. He also broke his collarbone on a dive in the end zone. So Funches to the IR, he is done for the season as well, or most of the season at least. He's on the IR with a designation to return. It's possible he comes back later in the year. I already had downgraded Devin Funches enough that he was basically droppable if he was a late-round flyer for you like he was for me. Uh, so now Funches, I at this point for sure, you can go ahead and drop that. Does it affect anybody on the Colts in your mind? Not particularly, unfortunately. Uh, him going down is actually kind of blow to them um they really needed a kind of a large guy to go out on the perimeter and do what he was doing so that's kind of unfortunate for the colts's for the colts season the next man up is likely Deion kane which is a name from the uh from the preseason and he is a fast talented individual who is pretty injury prone so We'll see if that can if that can do it. I, I I'm not necessarily saying he's the pickup. I don't really think that's something you need to roster right now. But that's likely the guy you're going to see playing in place of uh, of Funches. Name to note for sure. Uh, Quincy Anunua very unfortunately is done for the year. Suffered another neck injury. Remember he lost all of 2017 due to a neck injury. He came back at what was you know assumed 100 percent in 2018. But once again, after one week, is already done for the year. They're saying this could be potentially career-threatening. As fallout from the A-B stuff with New England, Demarius Thomas was traded within the division to the Jets. He now slots into that Anunwa role. And a guy, Demarius Thomas, who had basically not even made my rankings of the top 500 for the last couple of weeks... Uh, suddenly has carved himself out a little bit of a spot here because they're going to have to rely on him with a noon done. Yes, and also they, I think, realized that they cannot possibly give Crowder that many targets without him getting killed. Yeah, that's, Jamison Crowder getting all those targets, I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that they were missing Quincy Anunwa in the second half. There's, there's certainly something to that because his target percentage suddenly just shot up in the second half. But at the same time, we all knew he was going to be involved to a certain extent. I don't think anybody would have predicted what he got. But Demarius is going to cut into that a bit. So if you're one of those people that was all pumped that you got Crowder, this kind of throws some cold water on that a little bit. Uh, Thomas isn't the player he used to be, but they're going to have to play him. It's going to take him a little while to get acclimated. So I'm not super excited about like picking him up and starting him or something. But uh, name to know for the waiver wire. Also, like I said, if you own Crowder, not the worst thing in the world, though, I will say, because uh, you weren't going to have Crowder for the season if that was the game plan. If that's what we're doing, he ain't. he's not going to make oh, it. Oh, my hamstring. 
Uh, yeah, Demarius Thomas, deep leagues, certainly worth rostering on the back end of your bench. Uh, 12 team and smaller, probably not yet, but like you said, something to note for sure. Uh, A.J. Green was seen without the walking boot. He was at practice today uh, running around. You know, John Ross looks like a real receiver. <laughs> All of a sudden, A.J. Green feeling much yep. better. Feeling great. Feel great, Coach. So uh, they said in the preseason that week three was probably the best case scenario for A.J. Green. If he's got the walking boot off, it would seem like he might be trending towards that, which is good news for A.J. Green owners. Uh, week three is a possibility. Again, we talked about this, though. The fear with A.J. Green is that they rush him back. Yep, we you find some way. Last season, we talked about season. it last week. That that you know they push him to come back too soon, and he immediately gets re-hurt. So if you're an AJ Green owner, patience is a virtue. Just be rooting for him to be healthy and not just back in your lineup as quickly as possible. Yeah, frankly, I'm actually hoping they don't start him until like week four or five. That's kind of what I've been projecting the whole time, and that's what I feel like would be a reasonable time for him to recover. And if they're going to toss him out in week three, like I said last week, that's a red flag to me. Scary. Uh, Sterling Shepard is in the concussion protocol. The Giants are hot garbage. So if you are relying on Sterling Shepard or anyone on the Giants, good luck to you. Uh, does it really affect anybody out there? I mean, I don't think so, right? In terms of just Sterling Shepard maybe not playing, uh, yeah. the the only thing that I would say about that is, I mean, it, it'll either be like Cody Latimer or uh, 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 Russell Shepard, the other Shepard, who, uh, who will get more work out of it. Do you really want to play either of those guys? Not according to my rank. Cody Latimer had a decent day last, last week for those interested, but I'm not ever going to feel like Cody Latimer is going to like, I'm not going to ever start Cody Latimer as my flex and feel good about that. You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's a no go. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're, if you had, you know, Sterling Shepard and you needed somebody, what you needed to do was Hollywood should have got that Hollywood should have, should have uh, paid up. Yep. Should have paid uh, up. All right, Neil, we are into the regular season and you might be thinking, well, it's too late. I had Quincy and noon one. Blew my opportunity to get Roto Assurance. Well, you're wrong. Because you can still get in-season Roto Assurance. In fact, this year they're doing DFS. So you can get Roto Assurance for your DFS entries. All you have to do is go to rotoassurance.com. And when you buy your daily plan to protect your DFS team, just put in promo code NONSENSE. That's N-O-N-S-E-N-S-E, nonsense, and you'll get 20% off to ensure your investment. If you're playing like I did last week, and I started Tevin Coleman in my DraftKings lineup, well, pff, I was pretty screwed. But had I gotten Roto Assurance, I would have gotten my injury back. So now I know, going forward, if I ever want to play Tevin Coleman... Rotoassurance, the way to go, Neil. Rotoassurance.com. <laughs> Rotoassurance.com. Injuries can happen at any time. So go to Rotoassurance.com and get insured today. All right, Neil, we're debuting a new, new segment here. We are uh, talking a little bit of reckless speculation. So we're going to talk about some hot button issues and what our general opinions and takes are on these basically taking them to the extreme the hottest of hot takes on what these scenarios might be and what it is that we personally believe could happen if the extreme scenario were to happen so first and foremost we're talking 
Hunter Henry. We mentioned earlier he's going to be out probably four to six weeks, but if he has the surgery, let's say he's done for the year, let's recklessly speculate that his entire season is done. How does that affect the Chargers offense specifically and tight end as a whole? You call that a hot take? Hunter Henry's career is over. Over, I tell you. He will never play another down in the NFL. That's how you hot well, take. Well, I mean, unfortunately, that's, how you hot that's take. not much that's, of a hot take. I mean, that's, No, it's not. And uh, But no. Uh, in terms of Hunter Henry being out four to six weeks, and then what I believe is actually true, there's a chance he's going to get surgery and be done. The effect on the Chargers is actually pretty devastating because they've also got Mike Williams beat up now. So you've got Keenan Allen is going to have to do everything again, and they're going to have to rely on Travis Benjamin. They just can't keep this team healthy. Every single guy is an injury flag on their entire offense, and their training staff is notoriously bad, and their team is notoriously cheap. So what this does for me is it actually makes Austin Eckler somehow even more valuable, which I didn't know was possible. <laughs> and and uh, and then it also makes Justin Jackson more valuable. That actually had some room to go. Uh, and then Keenan Allen, he's going to move up a scotch just because he's going to get increased volume, but the confidence multiplier is going to prevent him from going too much higher because frankly, if he's going to have to do everything again, we've seen how that usually ends. It usually ends with him holding his knee. And I hate to say that. I don't mean that as like a shot. I'm sure he'll he take it that way, but, uh, but th- he's not, he's not really designed. Hamstring. Yeah. He's not really designed to be the only guy out there absorbing all that contact the entire, the entire day. He'll do it for you. He's a pro and he's awesome, but like it's it's not what he's trying to do. So for me, Hunter Henry going down just kind of moves everybody up a spot in tight end because he was tight end four. So everybody just kind of goes up one one notch, basically. Everybody moved up a little bit. Uh and then yeah, week to week. This week specifically, I've got Virgil Green up to twenty-three. He's the man that'll step into that starting role there. He's a touchdown dependent back-end guy. We've all seen Vigil Green play, guy. Fr- play football. He doesn't have the hands that Hunter Henry has. It's it's right. that's he's not. A, he's yeah. a touchdown dependent streamer. Because for the record, I had Hunter Henry season. at six, and yeah, I've got Virgil Green at like twenty-two. So it's, it's yeah. Uh, so it's the the bye weeks are when you're going to start a guy like Virgil Green when when you're desperate when there's nobody out there. Uh, that that's the bye week is going to be his money time. Um, yeah, but until re- then, the show for the other guys that you want to pick up in place of Virgil Green, go back to the beginning. It, it, it until then, it's not even worth uh, rostering. Uh, as you mentioned, everybody else kind of upticks a little bit. For me, the biggest impact is the red zone targets. Uh, I mean, you mentioned Keenan Allen, obviously. Uh, you know, Travis Benjamin, Mike Williams, when he's healthy, I think is the guy that gets the biggest uptick when, when healthy in the uh, red zone. When healthy, targets. I agree so yeah, when healthy, it's just that right now yeah. he's not. And they're literally saying there was actually during the show breaking news. Uh, Mike Williams is con- their team is concerned that he might miss significant time. And they actually went out and signed another receiver, Anthony Johnson. Uh, as a backup, because there's some real noise around Mike Williams' knee here. So that's that's a bad sign. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so if that's the case and he's out, then yeah, it, it just becomes that's why I went to Eckler. You know, by committee. It's by committee, I mean, and then Eckler somehow even more valuable because they're going to have to lean yeah. on him. Yeah, somehow. agreed. Uh, so Tyreek Hill being out six plus weeks. So now, obviously, Sammy Watkins. 
you know, is a god over there. But if it's not Sammy Watkins, who do you want as a receiver in the Kansas City offense? Do you want Demarcus Robinson? Do you want McCole Hardman? Or do you want something else? Do you want one of the deeper depth guys? No, I want uh, McCole Hardman. I understand that he's a rookie, and Robinson's a nice player. I see him getting a lot of pump on the internet uh, because he was playing last year with them, so the thought process is he's going to end up in there. Um, I'm not totally sold on that. Uh, maybe in the short term, sure, but uh, but for the whole, uh, I'm going with Hardman. That's what my rankings reflect. I think he's a better football player than Robinson is in just about every measurable category for wide receiver, and they also drafted him you know, because he fills a, he fills a potential skill set and need for them. So I'm looking for the long term. Hardman is, is, uh, is what I'm more interested in there. Sure. They also have, uh, D'Anthony Thomas, who's sure. an interesting guy. Sure. But uh, again, I agree with you. It's McCole Hardman. What's blowing my mind is he's only 27% owned right now. And that 27% ownership is with a 9% uptick. I mean, yeah, he cleared waivers that with that number. Wow. <laughs> I mean... Uh, That's for free. That's just free now. Tyreek Hill is out for at least four to six weeks. Someone has to step up other than Sammy Watkins. And McCole Hardman is just sitting out there in 75% of leagues. And nobody wants him. I don't understand it. So, yeah, absolutely a guy I want to add. Absolutely. I mean, he's a guy that I was talking up in the preseason that I feel like he's going to cut into Tyreek Hill's workload anyway, that he was more of a threat to Tyreek Hill's workload than he ever was to Sammy Watkins. And now with Hill out, you know, McCole Hardman is going to get a chance to show what he can do. And if he can impress in this four to six weeks, when Tyreek Hill comes back, he absolutely will carve himself out a role. If he plays well enough, they're not going to keep him off the field. Oh no no, honey! That, that especially with Andy Reid running the show, where it's much more of a meritocracy than other places. Uh, yeah, if he's playing well, then he will be playing, as opposed to just hanging around because he's the rookie. Uh, Antonio Brown news we mentioned earlier. The drama continues. It's a discussion we kind of had last week. Are you still in on the AB roller coaster, or are you bailing out now? I, I mean, look, the forcing his way out of Oakland. And then he goes to New England, and you think, oh, all the headache was worth it because he's going to the Patriots. And then all the Patriots were taking a hit because, oh, A.B. is here to steal some of their touches. And now all this again where he could potentially be on the commissioner's list. He could be out for most of the season with that. I mean, are you selling A.B. at the idea that he's on the Patriots and he could be a good guy? I mean, are, are you... Are you selling him at, you know, the value of, well, he could be top 20 if he plays for the Patriots, or are you willing to sell low just to be done with it? <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to give you one of those options. No one's going to give you top 20. Yeah, you're not getting that. So you're, the price tag that you paid for AB, sorry, why he was lower in our rankings than on most other major websites, because I got concerns about the man, like... Just logistically, like I, I have very little. I have less and less confidence that he's ever actually going to show up and play a football game and do, do what he's going to do. So, for me, at this point, with all the noise surrounding it, it is very tempting to want to go ahead and just cut bait with it and take literally whatever offer you can get. But for what the price tag you had to pay, that's such a 
bitter pill to swallow. So at this point, since I don't he know. Been, People are cutting like, Dante Pettis for nothing. I know, it, but here's <laughs> the thing: I haven't seen anybody out there like realistically offering real trades for AB. They're offering you like the last bench spot on their roster. Frankly, it's like it's not it's not that good of a deal because there's so much noise around this. So for me right now, because I invested so much, you kind of have two ways of thinking about this. It's I can go down with the ship, or I can get whatever pittance that somebody is willing to give me. And for me, since I'm already going to take a total bath on it, unless somebody was offering me a pittance that was something I actually wanted, I'm probably going down with the ship. And that's, and that's coming from me. Who's a trade guy. (laughs) I like like trades, but how do you feel about this? Are you stay, are you going down with the ship or are you taking Carlos Hyde for Antonio Brown? Which by the way, for people who maybe this is their first show, that would be literally like offering Steve, half a ham sandwich it's like not even something so the the main thing for me here is that like looking at it in the in the short term right she's not going to be interviewed until tuesday i don't see any way they can let him play sunday unless this is all thrown out on tuesday somehow like it's just tossed out of court even then let's say that they go in on tuesday they listen to her they believe the story she has some kind of proof evidence whatever and they let him play on Sunday. How horrible does that make them look if during the active investigation he's just allowed to play and, and you know <laughs> goes off and has a huge week this for week? For the Patriots. <laughs> for the Patriots. Uh, or, right, and then it's the reverse too, right? If they hold him out this week and then it turns out that, you know, she's lying, they don't believe her, the investigation is closed next week, whatever. I feel like until they know for sure one way or the other, they have to hold him out this week. Even if the they just talk to the Patriots and say, look, you have to make him inactive, say he's hurt or not in condition or whatever. Just He can be on the field, just call him inactive for the week until we finish this next week. I just don't see any way he plays this weekend, me personally. Well, I'm not we'll talking about this one week. We go. Well, if I'm but, selling for on the pennies on the dollar i'm not worried about one week you know what i mean my exactly. thought process but, is so in the short really term i'm saying i'm saying in the short term i don't think he's playing this week that's now two games i've missed with antonio brown on my bench for the price tag i had to pay to get him so now we're talking long term the longer this goes the worse his value is going to be so at this point Selling him for Carlos Hyde, which is pennies on the dollar, may be the best offer you end up with. Now, he may be completely cleared, and then next week he comes back and he's with the Patriots and is a stud. That's a risk you're willing to take to be off the AB roller coaster, basically. And for me personally, if I have the depth and the space, I will hold him. Just for the upside, for the potential that he could basically be there. Like in our 16-team league, I made basically a couple of throwaway joke offers to Armando to try to get, you know, just to see if he was interested in dumping him, uh, just to see if I could just pick him up for nothing, to throw him at the end of my bench and not care about it. And, you know, same thing in our our 12-team Golden League. Like, just throw an offer out, see if you can just pick him up because the upside, the talent. But well, we talked on the about it in the preseason. Side, 
Hold on. On the acquiring side, I have zero issues with it. I'm not thinking about it from that perspective. So that's a good point. Because on the acquisitions side of this conversation is you are being the person who is trying to trade Carlos Hyde for Antonio Brown. Absolutely. Because it's like, realistically, you weren't going to play Carlos Hyde, I hope, and or, or whatever player you're going to... He was a depth guy. You know what I mean? It's just whatever. Something off my bench. <laughs> and for you, you were never counting on AB anyway. So if he comes back and plays, it presents to you a certain amount of upside. So I 100% agree with that line of logic. The harder conversation is the one that I've been trying to think of is the person that owns Antonio Brown. Like, Right. We talked about this in the that's, preseason. That's a tough a- The reason we were lower than the general consensus is because AB without ben, Big Ben has been a nightmare. Oh, yeah. Now, 100%. granted, that's been in the Steelers offense with worse quarterback play. Going to Tom Brady is an upgrade. Going to Derek Carr was somehow a downgrade from Big Ben. So yeah. uh, he was going to a worse system with a worse quarterback who he wasn't familiar with, which is why we were so down on uh, AB before. Now he's going to the Patriots with Tom Brady. So better quarterback. He still has to get acclimated and adjusted to the system. He still has to build that rapport with you know, Brady. And it'll take a couple weeks for that to happen. I, I was saying before all this uh, lawsuit that maybe by week four or five, he establishes himself as a mid-range to back-end wide receiver two. And, and that he's he's a decent enough player that he can make enough plays. Don't forget that last year was the season that they threw the least in the Patriots offense. Everybody's talking about Rob Gronkowski and maybe making a comeback for Gronk. How horrible Gronk looked last year in that <laughs> offense. That Julian Edelman was dominating, and why did Julian Edelman dominate? Because of the PPR. Because of the fact that he was getting the short four or five yard catches in the games that uh, Josh Gordon played, which would basically kind of be the role that Antonio Brown is in, Josh Gordon was wide receiver 32. I mean, it's not like he's going to set the world on fire. This isn't the 07 Patriots that people want to believe it is. This is 12 years later, Neil. Well, he's not Randy Moss. He's also not Randy Moss. All respect to AB, he's not Randy Moss. So let's let's end that narrative now. Like, thank you. I'm I'm good with that. So that's that's yeah. I've seen that all over the place. Like, oh, it's the second coming. Yeah, no, I'm good on. We can just end that narrative. Thank you. So, yeah, you're saying, so 12 years later, we're still having the same conversation as a community. Right. It's, <laughs> it's Tom Brady is much older. He's throwing it much less. He's not throwing it as far down the field. They're taking less risks and less chances. It's why James White has been so high in my ranks. It's why Edelman is so high in my ranks, because they check down. They don't take the shots downfield. Well, his they, deep they, ball accuracy isn't what it was 12 years ago either. So that's also it's still talking. good. It's still good, but it's, but not, it's not. It's not what it was. That's the. That's my clarification. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that's. It is worse than what it was. So A B as a mid, uh, you know, like a, a wide receiver two. I'm good with that the rest of the season. But again, at this point, the roller coaster. I feel like if you can try to even then, I feel like that's kind of your best case scenario for me personally. Is you wait, you, you wait it out. You see, okay, he's cleared, he's back, he's going to be playing, sell him at that point. When he comes back onto the team, when he's ready to go, 
at that point, and everybody's thinking, oh, it's Tom Brady. He's going to be a wide receiver one for sure. Then you sell him for wide receiver one value because I don't think he's ever going to reach those heights you think he can. No, it's not going to be what you paid, but it would be the time to to get the highest return on investment, the highest ROI that you could possibly get is the time you're referring to. It's the time when there's that newness where he hasn't played a game yet, and people are just, oh, it's Tom Brady, and blah, 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 and they'll, they'll give you something stupid. And it'll probably be the best offer you get. So yeah, at that point is probably when you want to strike. Because I, I don't like the idea, as I said before, of having committed all that equity to him in the preseason, in the draft, and then to sell him now for like Carlos Hyde or some or some terrible offer. That's yeah, at this point, uh, like I'm you not said, you're that. selling him for pennies on the dollar, and I can't do that. I can't do it. But I'm if, if I much. can hold on to him on my bench, I'm more than willing to wait this whole thing out, and then once he's cleared and it looks like he's about to play, that's when I sell him. That's when I get my best return on investment. There is not a chance, though, as an Antonio Brown o- owner right now, that he will ever play a snap for me. There's no shot of it because well, yeah, yeah, I can't sell shy. him now too, because too it, the, gun shy. the the value would be too low now. But like I said, as soon as he's cleared to come back and his value is back up at that unrealistic expectation, that's when I'm selling him at that value. No, 100%. Yeah, that makes sense because I, I, I completely sympathize with the idea of like, how could you ever trust it? You know what I mean? You're going to try yeah. and put him in your lineup again and then the next day something terrible is going to happen. So it's just, yeah. That's gonna be, that's gonna be how you have to approach it. Unfortunately, people, you're gonna to have to wait and see, and then strike while the iron's hot in a very limited window. And during that, you're probably gonna to need to like make eleven trade offers if you play in a twelve-team league. You know what I mean? And if I'm you, if I'm the guy who owns Antonio Brown when, in the time frame when Steve is referring to, you need to be the one driving. So you like to make this work for you in that situation, you would need to get out in front of all eleven other teams and just start making trade offers. And if people make a bad counter, normally, you know, your tendency might be to say, eh, screw it. No, counter it with a real offer again and just keep, you have to get them off your team. <laughs> you have to, you have to get that bill of goods off your team for something that actually makes sense. Then we mentioned it earlier, the John Ross effect. He was the biggest ad by far this week off of waivers. He actually showed up, had a huge week this week. What's his effect on Tyler Boyd? And then of course, AJ Green, when AJ Green comes back. I think this actually might help Tyler Boyd. So we can leave AJ Green off to the side for one moment. But that if John Ross is actually going to be that, then they're not going to be able to just stack the defense on Tyler Boyd anymore. And that's usually when Tyler Boyd gets out there and does all those lovely Tyler Boyd things that people like. When he's single coverage against their two corner, he'll beat like every two corner in the league. When he's double covered by a safety in the one corner, he's not really that guy. So if Ross is going to be out there and they're both going to play, I actually like that for Tyler Boyd. It really takes some of the pressure off him. And I think you'll reap the dividends of that. That being said, Tyler Boyd was forced out of week one. And, uh, you know, if they're saying he's probably going to play, it's, it's, it's still kind of early days on that yet. But, uh, for what I love about it though, is that when all three of them come back, you might actually see the Bengals. And I know it's, it's been a million years since like Carson Palmer, you might actually see the Bengals. For a window in time, a brief one, before Andy Dalton becomes reverts back to Andy Dalton, actually have three relevant fantasy receivers. They might actually have three weapons that might be able to move the ball, and you might actually be able to have 
three Bengal receivers starting in a 12 team league uh, for a little while there. So that's how I think it kind of shakes out. It actually, the only thing that scares me with John Ross is limited sample and a much larger sample of him being hurt yeah, and ineffective. I don't buy and the not John play. Ross. That's yeah, what scares yeah. me. Not so that's it's, too, the big it's one week. I, I don't. I take literally nothing away from that. If you wanted to blow your fab on John Ross, you this you is go why right I did ahead. not. And I'll co-sign that. This is why I did not blow my fab budget on Tyler Boyd like some people did. And I saw people spending fifty-one dollars on Ross, Tyler yeah. on, on John. Sorry, on John Ross. Uh, yes, I agree with what yeah. you said. The the whole John Ross is going to take the pressure off. The problem with Tyler Boyd before his best weeks were when he was the two receiver to AJ Green. That Green was getting the one-on-one with the number one, and that you know Tyler Boyd was the guy on the other side with the number two corner. Now he's getting the number one corner. That'll continue. However, they have someone that can ease the pressure off of him so that they can't just double-team Tyler Boyd and completely take him away like they were doing much of last season when A.J. Green was out. Also, so much until A.J. Green comes back, I feel like this helps Tyler Boyd's value in the interim. Also... As you mentioned, when A.J. Green comes back, it just makes things even easier for Tyler Boyd to succeed. I think if you invested a draft pick in Tyler Boyd, you are loving the fact that John Ross just blew up out of nowhere last week. Yeah, you'll take your one bad week, you'll take your lump on your one bad week with uh, with Tyler Boyd for, I believe, the potential long-term payoff that, that's, that all of this is going to represent. Because l- even in last week, the first half, they were double-teaming Tyler Boyd at a tremendous rate. So, and frankly, like Tyler Eifert's there, who cares? So it's, it's literally Joe Mixon and with the three guys all operating, it might actually resemble like a current NFL offense for a little while there and something happens. But, uh, but yeah, I, I also, I just will point out, I really hope you didn't blow $51 on, on John Ross, because you might live to regret that decision (laughs) as soon as like, so (laughs) that's. That's all I'll say. But as a, if you were able to get him on the cheap, I absolutely love it as a as a cheap investment because if you hit it, man, you'll hit it, uh, and you're not you're not committing like a huge chunk of your fab budget to it. Like you actually have to play it. All right. Well, that's going to wrap us for Wednesday. We'll be back in a couple of days here to uh, talk about the Thursday night game and to help you with your start sits. Remember, you can find us at nonsense underscore Steve at nonsense underscore Neil, and then on for our Friday show at that FF nerd. To get Jason Draven, your questions on the Fantasy Life app is the easiest, or you can hit any of us up at uh, our important nonsense emails available on the website. So, uh, yeah, until Friday, Neil, until a couple of days from now, everybody just keep up the nonsense. Catch you Friday. Music for the Important Nonsense podcast is provided by Lee Rosevear, Lame Genie, and Tri Tachyon. Thank you for listening, and be sure to keep up with the latest content on importantnonsense.com.